The following audio is from City Rev Church. For more information about City Rev Church, visit us online at cityrev.org. There is a, a building in Asia that has just particularly fascinated me since I, I heard about this. It's really a, a mall. It's the, called the South China Mall. And it's fascinating for a number of reasons. For starters, you know, there's different ways you can uh, judge the size of a mall, you know, square footage or leasable space or just acreage. There's a couple different ways. Um, by, by one of those ways, it's the largest mall in the world. But by almost any way you judge this mall, it's definitely in the top 10. It is a humongous, humongous mall. And uh, let me just give you an idea of how large this mall is. Um, uh, you know uh, Sawgrass Mills Mall? Anyone ever heard of Sawgrass Mills Mall? Okay, some of you have. Um, you've been there in that sea of people. You can just get lost there for like a week and not know your way out, okay? Like it's a gigantic mall. Um, but take Sawgrass Mills Mall, okay? And then, and I think that's on something like 400 acres or something like that, okay? Imagine um, you decide to, to get an adjacent additional 400 acres and just take that mall and put a second one like right there, like sawgrass, okay? And then you buy a few hundred more acres and you put a third one and you link it together, three sawgrass mills mall as one giant mall. At that point, you are almost at the size of the South China Mall, okay? That's how big this mall is. It's humongous. Now, malls these days are like crazy, like what they're putting in malls. Like some malls have like roller coasters in them. I don't know if you've heard of this. Like there are roller coasters in the mall. Some malls have ski slopes, indoor ski slopes in their malls. Okay, this mall is, is interesting. They've broken this South China Mall into seven different sectors, and they've themed each of these sectors after another place in the world that is a, a major cultural or tourist center. So one section of the mall looks is, is mimicked after Paris. Another section is made after the Caribbean. Another section is patterned after Rome. And then another section is after Venice, complete with canals that run through the mall where tourists can take gondola rides down the middle of the mall, okay? And as amazing as this mall is, there's one particular feature about this mall, one particular aspect of this mall that has made it um, very, very famous. And it's none of the things that I've already said. It's all that plus this final thing. And the best thing I could do is to actually just show you a picture of the inside of the mall. Check out this picture of the inside of the mall. Here's another picture. Go, go to the next one. The South China Mall is 99% empty. In fact, here's the, this is Venice right here. You see a, what was uh, ideally a gonna be a beautiful canal with gondolas going down is now just kind of a green, you know, algae-filled canal. And what's happened with this particular mall, it's known as one of the greatest real estate failures in modern history. They built this gigantic mall in a really, really bad location that is almost, it's extremely difficult to get there. Even within the town, the town itself takes hours and hours to travel to, and even within the town, if you take public transportation, you have to walk a long, long distance to get that, and so they've completely misjudged 
where they built this mall, and for years it has sat almost 99% vacant. Now think about that. And here's what I want, where I want your brain to go. I want you to think about before the mall was built, what it felt like in the boardroom when they were pitched the idea of this mall. Can you imagine the models? Can you imagine how exciting? And then over here, this will be like, uh, this will be just like Paris. And over here, there'll be gondola rides. And it'll be the largest mall um, the world has ever seen. And people will come up, millions of people going through this all the time. I mean, imagine the excitement. Imagine the excitement when they just started breaking ground and they walked through and they, they started seeing some of the structures come to life and some of the canals that were going to run through it, Doug. And they saw all the things and how excited they were. And then one day, they were going to break, they broke ground and then one day they cut the ribbon and all of the excitement. I mean, there would have been so much passion, so much excitement. They probably went to bed every night, those involved, just dreaming about this, like thinking about what it could be, thinking about, and and just so much passion, so much joy, pushing them through the stress of building such a big, such a big structure. But what pushed them through was this vision of what it could be. And in the end, they built in the wrong place and it was left empty. Now, I tell you that story because I think each of us, in one way or another, we're builders. Maybe not like construction, you know, maybe you're not like a contractor, you know, maybe you don't physically build something, but we're builders. We build a life, we build careers, we build families. Maybe some build wealth. Some build companies. We, we, there's things that we build. We build a, a, a life for retirement. We, there's things that we're building. And imagine if every night of our life we go to bed just captivated with the thoughts of what we're building and what it could be and what it will look like. And what if one day when we're there, we're walking through everything that we've built and we look around and realize We've built in the wrong place. The structure's here, but it's empty. You know that happens, right? You know it does. You know the person that's building that for that success, and they get to the end of the success. They've gotten all the accolades. They've gotten all the position. They've gotten all the, the salary they want. And they look around, and they're like, well, now what? That person who's going hard after uh, building wealth and they go after it and they're building, building, building and they've focused everything on that and one day they're standing in their large mansion but they've worked so hard on that they've neglected everything else and so they're standing in that large mansion alone. They're building, building, building for retirement. Finally, they have a life that they're envisioning and so they've been building, building, building and all of a sudden they retire, they go into retirement and a couple years in, they're saying, is this all there is? Like, I was building my life for leisure, and is all there is? I mean, I can only play so much golf. What's that? What else is there? There's got to be something more than just relaxing my final years away. See, here's the thing. I think we care about the output of our life. I think we care about our life accomplishing something. I think we care about our life having meaning. I think we care about our life leaving something behind. Let's make sure we're building in the right place so we don't wind up with something empty. Now here's the good news. 
The Bible has something very profound to say about that. And so I want you to, to lean in with me. And what I want us to do is I want this weekend to serve as just kind of a pull off on the side of the road for a minute. Uh, those of you who are driven, you're driving, you're on the highway, you've got the pedal down, you're just going with your life. Can you just pull off? Don't wait for a rest stop. Don't wait for an exit. Just pull off on the side of the road and put it in park. And let's just pull out the map and make sure we're going in the right direction. Young adult, you've got this whole life ahead of you. You've got a career you're thinking about. You've got education you're pursuing. Before you go any farther, just stop for a second and make sure you start building in the right place. Family with young children. And you've got all these things that you're juggling and you've got all these dreams and these hopes and these plans. But you've got these little faces looking up at you as reminders at what the stakes are. Let's pull off on the side of the road and ask ourselves what we're building. Empty nesters. You have a new season, new era of life upon you, facing retirement. Maybe the last few years as you're working towards retirement and then you're facing a whole new plan. Maybe you just entered into retirement and you're looking around and you've got, I've got this space. I've got a new chapter. I've got, and maybe you're starting to think, and these, this, is like the, this is like the final quarter or the final couple quarters of my life. What am I going to use with this life? I've got to make sure it matters. Maybe you're at that space halfway through. You're like, okay, wait, is this all there is? Is this what my life's amounting to? Is this what I'm giving? Let's just all collectively pull off on the, on the shoulder and make sure we're building in the right place and what we're building is not empty. I want to take you to a, a passage um, in the Bible. It's John 15. And I want you to open there if you have a Bible or Bible app, open to John 15. Now, this is a passage that just seems like God keeps bringing in front of our, our faces as a church here in the last several months. God just kind of keeps bringing this up. And I want to respond to that and, and hear what he has for us out of this, out of this passage. And so we're going to look at John 15. What I'm going to do is I want to read through these eight verses, and then we're going to go back and, and go through them uh, one by one. But I want to start with uh, reading over John 15, 1 through 8. Here's what it says. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me." I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. One of the most powerful, memorable words of Jesus. This is from Jesus to his disciples. This is right after uh, the Last Supper. This is right before he's arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. And then um, this is on Thursday evening. On Friday, he is crucified on the cross. And on Sunday morning, he rises again after paying for our sins. 
Here's some of, so these are some of his last words to his disciples, one of his last teachings, and it's this metaphor of a vine, branches, and a vine dresser. It's a picture of a vineyard. It's a picture of a grapevine. Imagine a vine growing up out of the ground, and then the vine dresser, that's the person who takes care of the, of the vineyard, takes care of the vine, typically would have built like a trellis, like a structure, that the vine would grow along, and then the branches grow out of the vine, and that's off of the branches are where there's the clusters of fruit. The clusters of fruit coming off of the, the nutrients. The vine is drawing from the ground. All of those nutrients are traveling down the vine into the branches. Out of the branches produce the fruit. Jesus is showing them this metaphor. It would have been, they would have had vineyards all around that area. Uh, they might have been walking by a vineyard at that moment when he's describing this. And he breaks down this parable, this metaphor, and it is, it, it's absolutely stunning. It is so instructive. It's so healing. In fact, there may be a, a piece of this that God, I believe, has probably designed a piece of this to intersect with your life today and work a miracle of transformation. Here's how he breaks it down. The first thing he says is, I am the vine. My father is the vine dresser. It's the first thing he says in, in verse 1. I want you to notice the order of this. This is so important. He says, okay, in this metaphor, disciples, here is the first, primary, most important thing you need to know, Jesus says. You need to know who I am. Jesus says, in this equation, I'm the vine. The father Second thing we know, the Father is the vine dresser. Now let's just pause for one second just on that briefly. I wish we could spend the entire time just on that one concept because it's so critical. If we don't get this, we can't even go any further. The most important thing for you and for me, the most important question for any human is who is the person of Jesus? Who is Jesus? A lot of people say, I know who the vine dresser is. I, I know who God is. I believe in God. And by that, they mean in some almighty power. And here's what the Bible says. Even the demons believe in God. A lot of times people say, well, yeah, of course I'm going to go to heaven. Of course, I mean, I'm religious. I'm spiritual. I believe in a higher power. I believe, in, I believe that there is a God. I have a relationship with God, they may say. I have a relationship with God. Well, everyone has some kind of relationship with God. It may be... Uh, a broken relationship, maybe a hurting relationship, it may be a distant relationship. I mean, everyone has some kind of relationship with God. That's not the question. The question is, who is Jesus? See, uh, we say, well, yeah, but a lot in our society are atheists, and I'm not an atheist. I believe in God, so I'm religious, I'm spiritual. But remember, atheism is a very recent phenomenon in history. In fact, it's a recent phenomenon and a fading phenomenon. Most humans throughout history have looked around at this world and said, looking at the logic of the intricacy of this creation, wow, clearly this did not happen by accident. It's only in the last two centuries, the 19th and 20th century, where we have, as humans have been so impressed by our scientific and technological advancements that we've said we don't need God. And in the future, future generations will look back and say, wow, what embarrassing hubris, what egomania, 
What megalomania those generations had where they thought they had discovered enough of what God had done to no longer need the one who did it all. Just believing in a God, that's what the vast majority of human beings have done all through history. That's not the question. The question is, who is Jesus? Because Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except through him. Who is Jesus? We need Jesus to get to the Father. We need Jesus to be reconciled to a holy God. We've got to deal with the fact that we have sin in our life, rebellion against a holy God. And the person of Jesus pays for our sins, dying on the cross, rises again, defeating our sin, and unlocking eternal life for all of us who are in Jesus. The number one question, disciple, the first thing you need to know is who's Jesus? Jesus is the vine. The Father is the vine dresser. He's tending to the vine and its branches. Okay, let's keep going. Let's pick it up in in verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he, that's talking about the vine dresser, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Here's what I want you to see from this verse, and we're going to keep going. In verse 2, he says, look, the branches coming from the vine, which we read, or as we keep reading, we find out we are the branches. Jesus is the vine. Uh, the, God the Son, Jesus, is the vine. God the Father is the vine dresser. We are the branches coming from the vine. And the branches are where there's fruit that's being, being bared. And he says, the Father, the vine dresser, he says, is tending to the branches to see to it that they bear fruit. Any branch that is not bearing fruit, as we read through here, the assumption is it's not attached to the vine because there's nothing wrong with the vine. The vine's amazing. The vine defines life. The vine is the author of life. There's nothing wrong with the vine. If there's a branch that's not bearing fruit, clearly it's not attached to the vine. So the father takes it away, puts it in a pile, and it's burned. But, the, but those that are attached to the vine, they're, they're bearing fruit. And so he tends to those branches. He prunes them in order that they may bear more fruit. Here's what's very, very important, is that It's the vine dresser that's responsible for the fruitfulness of the branches. Do you see that? The vine dresser is responsible for that. Okay. You say, okay, what about the branches that get thrown into the fire? I mean, that sounds like a little bit intense. Like, I definitely don't want to be that branch. So tell me more about what's happening there because that sounds really, really scary. Okay. In the Bible, often that idea of fire, and especially in an agricultural context like this, there are several uh, parables or a lot of imagery that talks about that fire. That fire is a symbol for judgment. And so, um, but let's read this carefully. Because we can say, wait a minute, is it saying if I'm not bearing enough fruit that I'm going like, to be facing judgment. I'm not going to make it to heaven because that's really scary. I mean, how much fruit do I, have to, do I have to bear? No, no, it says it's bearing no fruit at all. And here's the point. If it's bearing no fruit, it's not attached to the vine. 
If it's attached to the vine, it is bearing fruit. Do you see that? It's, it's one or the other. So if it's not bearing fruit, it's a sign that it is not attached to the vine. It's not abiding in Jesus. It all comes down to this. Salvation is about the person of Jesus. Do you have Jesus? One of the diagnostics, you can look at your life and say, does my life have the fruit of someone who's abiding in Jesus? And if you're honest and you look at your life and you say, look, my life essentially looks like everybody else's life that I know in this world, whether they know Jesus or not, it looks identical to that life. Maybe the difference is I sometimes go to church or I call myself a Christian. But if your life looks pretty much identical, this would be the grace of the scripture saying, hey, time out. Are you really attached to the vine? Do you know Jesus? Is he your Lord? Is he your Savior? Because if you do, you will be bearing fruit. Things will be transforming in your life. You cannot have, you cannot be attached to the vine and the vine not be transforming your life as a branch. But the inverse is true. Christian, those of you who know Jesus, love Jesus, fruit is and will happen, and the vine dresser will see to it that you're bearing fruit in your life. Okay, let's look at these next few verses. Let's pick it up in verse three. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. That might be the most important verse in this whole, this whole section. We're gonna come back to that. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and are burned. Here's what he says. Okay, in other words, here's what you got to know if you're a disciple of Jesus. First, you got to know who Jesus is. He's the source of all of our life. He is, our, our lives are in Jesus. He's the most important part of our life. Jesus is the vine, and the Father is the vine dresser, and the vine dresser cares that we bear fruit. And then we get the command. What is the command? Well, look closely. Is it Go bear fruit. Branches, the vine dresser, he wants to make sure you're bearing fruit. So go bear fruit. Get after it. Roll up your sleeves. Get ready to sweat. Get ready to work hard. You know, you go and you, you, you work for Jesus and work for Jesus and strive for Jesus and strive for Jesus. I mean, be restless and, 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 and keep going, making sure that you bear fruit. I mean, keep inventory. How much fruit do I have in my, in my life? Because I want more and more fruit. That's what the Father wants. And I've got to work so hard for fruit because I want to please God. And so I've got to keep working and working and working and working because it's commanding in here in us to go bear fruit. Was that the command in here? No. The command was, abide in the vine. Branches. Here's why he, puts, he says the, the vine is the most important thing for you to hear. You focus on the vine, the Father will focus on your fruitfulness. Your mission, your command here, is just simply to abide. 
Now that's a, a, a pretty good deal. I mean, that's a pretty good arrangement. In fact, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of um, skeptical of arrangements that seem too good to be true, okay? And I think this goes back to um, many years ago in my life when I was bamboozled by a deal that uh, I thought was too good to be true, and it was, okay? And I'll tell you what happened. This is many years ago, okay? And um, this is back before there was a thing invented called the MP3. And back then, there was this device called a compact disc, okay? A CD, you know, it's like a little circle, it's thin, okay? If you've never seen one, I still have some. I could show you, okay? And there was this thing that came in the mail, and it was an enticing deal regarding CDs, all right? I'm not going to ask any of you if you've seen this or participated, because um, you'll not only age yourself and date yourself, but uh, who wants to admit that they, that they fell for this, okay? And there's this thing that came in the mail, and it said, um, for $1, we will send you, it was something like 457 CDs of your choosing, okay? I think it was like 10, but it felt like that, okay? We will send you 10 CDs of your choosing. You sign up to be part of our club. I'm like, I want to be in a club, okay? I don't want to be left out from a club, all right? You sign up to our club, and the only reason, the only thing you have to do to be part of this club is to make sure you buy another CD at some point throughout the year. I'm like, this is amazing. I, I get to be in a club. I buy one CD. I get 10, okay, for $1. And I'm like, clearly I'm going to do this. So I, I sent in my dollar, okay, and I get the list, and I look through the list, and there's like, you know, a couple hundred CDs in there, and I have to pick 10 that I wanted which was a challenge to find 10 that I actually wanted from the list of very dated CDs that they offered me. But I came up with 10, and I sent them in, and sure enough, I got all 10 CDs, okay? I'm like, this is great. I mean, at least seven of them I'll listen to, okay? This is awesome. And I started listening, and then all of a sudden, the anxiety of having to purchase one of these CDs. I didn't know what the penalty was gonna be. Would I get arrested? Would a guy show up wanting to break my fingers? I don't know what's gonna happen. I had the anxiety of I have to buy a CD at some point during the year. And so each month would come in like, I gotta get one of these CDs. And finally I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna get it over with. I don't wanna be in this club anymore. I'll buy a CD and I bought a CD. And that's when I realized because their one CD you had to buy costs like $275. <laughs> Like, I got 11 CDs for the price of 20, okay? Like, this was not a good deal. Okay, when I see something that seems like too good to be true, what I believe typically is it's too good to be true. But here is the arrangement Almighty God is saying through the person of Jesus. Here's what he's saying. I know you care about the output of your life. I know you care that your life matters, I know you think about leaving a legacy. I know you think about impacting the people around you. I know you think about how you have one life and you don't want to waste it. I know that you, you're thinking about what, what path should I choose and I got to pick the right path because I don't want to go the wrong way. I know you've got all of this in your, in your life and I, and I know you're working hard and I know you're driven and I know you feel the stress and the burden of trying to keep everything up and all the plates spinning. I know you feel all of that urgency, all of that stress, all of that anxiety. How about you give all that to me? Let me worry about that. And here's what you do. 
You be like Mary and just sit at Jesus' feet. How about you let me worry about all of that and, and you just follow Jesus' simple command when he says, just follow me. How about you wake up every day and just simply walk with your Savior and that's it? How about you simply go meet with the most glorious, most powerful, most awe-striking being, the most loving being in the history of the universe that every solar system and galaxy is there to, to glorify him and he wants to meet with you personally? How about you just walk with him? How about you find a friend that sticks closer than a brother, someone who will never leave you nor forsake you, walks into every meeting with you and every room with you, through every circumstance with you, hears every prayer. How about you just walk with him? How about you find a friend and a savior and a brother? How about you find someone who carries you when you can't take another step? How about you find your Jesus, your savior, your Lord, your king, to whom everyone will bend the knee, who wants to have an intimate, personal relationship with you? How about you walk with him? Hallelujah. And I'll take all the rest. How about when it's time to make a career choice, a business decision, a decision about your time, a decision about your finances, a decision about your education, a decision about your family. How about you just sit and wait before Jesus and say, hey, you tell me. I'm following you, Jesus. You tell me. And I'm not moving until you do. How about you just abide in the vine? That's all you need to worry about. And he'll worry about your fruitfulness. But you say, um, some of you, you understand, I got plans. I've got dreams. I've got goals. Success goals, career goals, retirement goals, family goals. I've got goals for my children. I've got goals for my company. I've got goals for the branch I oversee. I've got goals for the product I'm trying to develop. I've got goals for my clients. I've got goals for my wealth. I've got goals for this and goals for that. I've got goals. And here's ultimately what we say. We say, look, I'm not sure I trust God with all of those dreams and goals. Because maybe I, I feel like I'm, a, I know that God's almighty. I mean, I know he's got more power than me, of course. I just don't know that he's as urgent to leverage that power in my life. I don't want to offer it all to God and turn around at the end of my life and my life was mediocre. Because I'm striving every day to make sure that does not happen. Well, here's what Jesus says. Verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Okay, we're going to need to come back to that. Verse 8. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Okay, here's what I want you to see. Let's start with that first part about your prayers. And really appreciate where he's going with this. We've got to go back to verse 3. Here's what, here's what Jesus says, and this is... If you hear nothing else today, can you just hear this? He says, already you have been declared clean. You are made clean by the words I declare over you. You are clean. What are the words that he's declared over us? Well, uh, a few 
Hours earlier, before he said this, he was in the upper room with the disciples, and he washed their feet, and he told them the rest of their bodies were already washed clean. Declared that. Then he broke bread, and he declared something. He said, this is my body broken for you. Then he poured out the wine, and he passed it around and said, this is my blood. He declares this, my blood is shed for you. I'm, I'm establishing a new covenant, he says. What is that new covenant? Well, the old covenant was do, uh, do X, Y, and Z, and God approves of you. The new covenant started with something else he declared in his final words on the cross. It's finished. <laughs> the work's already done. It starts with you being not working to get clean, but being declared already clean. Here's what he declares. It's John, the author here, Later in his letter, in one of his letters, he says, can you believe the love of God the Father that he declares you and calls you sons and daughters of God? Princes and princesses of the God of the universe, that's who you are. Christian, do you know what's been declared over you? It's already settled. God's love God's favor, your salvation, it's already been settled. It's already been accomplished by the work of Jesus. There's nothing else you have to do to gain his favor. Jesus already did all of it. There's nothing else you have to do to try and earn salvation. Jesus already did it. There's nothing you have to do to kind of climb yourself out of the, the filthy habits you have. Jesus already did it. You've already been declared clean. And that is so important for fruitfulness because so many of us treat our fruitfulness, the output of our lives in relation to God, as if we're still negotiating with God. It's like, okay, God, I really um, need you to accomplish this, so um, I'm going to pray. But there have been times I've prayed and you've not answered those, so I'm going to pray many more hours, many more days in a row. I'm not just going to pray, but I'm, I'm actually going to lean into my spirituality a little bit. And so now I need you to, to work things out of my finances, so I'm going to suddenly just get generous so you work things out for me financially. Or you know what, God, I'm, I'm going I'm to do this good work. And sometimes it's like we're kind of tipping God to keep him on our side. And so something happens at our work, and it's like, okay, I could have lied, and I could have fudged that number, and no one would have known. In fact, everyone expected me to. But I actually had integrity even though it's going to cost me, and I hope you're happy, God. I hope you see it. God, I hope you're seeing as I, you know, I, I kind of need a little bit more of you, so you know what? I'm going to throw a, a few dollars in the, the giving box on my way out. I'm just, hey, this is just a nod to you. Like, I want you to see what I'm doing so that you know, like, I'm expecting something back. I'm going to pray a little bit more. I'm going to dial in my, my uh, church attendance a little bit more. And it's like we're still negotiating with God. And so here's what ends up happening. We use our fruit as if it's like a tip for God. God, didn't you see how kind I was? God, didn't you see how I put that person first? God, I hope you see how much I'm serving my family right now. And I hope you're happy. But if you know that you're already clean, it transforms the whole dynamic. 
If you know that everything's already been negotiated, there's nothing left to negotiate. He has poured over your, the blessing over you. You already have eternity. He already has washed away all of your sins. Salvation is already secured. You already have a restored relationship with the almighty God of the universe. You already get to walk with Jesus. You've already been given everything. How could you not then live a life in light of that truth, letting it flowing out of you? into the fruitfulness of your life. See, what does this say? He says, man, when we bear much fruit, we're bringing glory to the Father. So it's like this. If we could just zero this in on one just key idea. Here's what I want you to hear. If you're a note taker, just jot this down. Here's what I want you to hear. God cares more about fruitfulness than you do. So focus on Jesus and let him focus on your fruitfulness. God cares, let's break that up. God cares more about your fruitfulness than you do. Can I speak to those? There's two different types of people uh, here today. Some lean more, if they had a vice, they might lean more towards ambition. Others lean more towards apathy. Some are really aggressive. Some tend to be very passive. And both of those have flaws. And so let's just start with those who lean towards ambition. You're driven. You have a goal for your life. You have something that you want your life to accomplish. Here's what you need to hear today. God, may be surprising to you, God cares more about the fruitfulness of your life, the outputs of your life. He actually cares more about you using your life to matter. He cares about that more than you do. So you've got to ask yourself, who do you trust more with the outputs of your life? You and what you're trying to create or God who created the universe? Maybe you're not sure what you're going to do. You're right in that tension. You don't know. Maybe that's you, okay? <laughs> okay. Some of you, if you're watching Cooper City, um, Siri doesn't know what she wants. Okay, that's what's happening. All right. Okay. For those of you who have drive, the, you're holding on to the reins of your life. You're saying, I know what I want to accomplish, and I'm going to do it. I don't trust God to, to, I don't trust to hand over my life, and all of a sudden I'm going to turn around and my life's mediocre. It's for his glory. He cares more about the fruitfulness than you do. And so here's what he's offering you, very driven person. Here's what he's offering you. He's offering you more fruitfulness, greater output than you can possibly imagine. And at the same time, a life of rest in him that you could only dream about. That's what he wants for you. Turn over your life to him. Some of you maybe where you, you lean more towards is more towards apathy in your life. Look, I'm not a, as driven. I'm not as aggressive. I, I, you know, I tend to go for, through the, for, with the flow and maybe for a couple reasons, maybe out of fear. Maybe out of um, insecurity. Well, there's not, I, I'm, not, I'm not one of those people that produces a lot. Or, or maybe it's out of just comfort. I just don't want to get uncomfortable. I just want to do my thing. Can I just speak to you what this says to you? How could you be afraid? 
If God is for you, who could be against you? For those of you who are insecure, do you know who you are? I don't care what the world says about you. I don't care what's been told you by the world. What matters is the one who spoke the world into existence has spoken that you are his son or daughter. You're royalty. You're an heir. That's who you are. And those who are his children, he's got plans for you. Maybe you are saying, look, I, the problem is I don't want to get uncomfortable, but let me remind you, remind you what you signed up for. Jesus said, count the cost. He said, the son of man has no place to lay his head. He said, he, he said I'm, I'm telling you what I'm calling you to. I'm calling you out as a, at times it's going to feel like you're a lamb among wolves, but I will never leave you. He's called you to a life of adventure, not a life of comfort. That's what he's called you to. That's actually where you will feel the most alive. So know that he cares more about your fruitfulness than you do. So focus on Jesus. Let him worry about your fruitfulness. Here's what I, where I want us to walk out of this week. Um, next week, we're starting a series that I believe God has set aside for us as a church. It's all about bearing fruit for his glory and how to do that. We talk about how do we reach our city? God, you've called us to do that. How are we going to do that? We're going to dig into that and talk about how we're going to do that. And so part of the application of this text, let's lean in together and let the, the vine dresser talk to us about being fruitful. And in the meantime, let's stay focused on Jesus. Let's just listen for his call and take one step further. Just focus on Jesus. Just follow after him every day. Just follow after him. And secondly, I want to challenge you. Take inventory. Take inventory of your outputs because not every good thing we do is actually bearing fruit. There's a lot of things we can do that are empty. There's a lot of things that we can build and we're building in the wrong place and we turn around and it's just empty. There's a lot of, we can build careers, build wealth, build relationships. We can even do good things. We can even do ministry work. But if it's apart from abiding in Jesus, it's empty. Abide in Jesus. I want to close by reading you a, a, uh, a poem. And this is written by a... Um, a missionary from about 100 years ago. And uh, his name, the name of this missionary is C.T. Studd. So you know it's going to be a good poem, right? I mean, <laughs> it's got to be good. His name is C.T. Studd, and he was a missionary. And I want to read this to you. I just want to read this over you. Can you just receive this? Here's what he said. Two little lines I heard one day, traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart, and from my mind would not depart. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day, my Lord to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Only one life. The still small voice gently pleads for a better choice, bidding me selfish aims to leave and to God's holy will to cleave. 
Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, a few brief years, each with its burdens, hopes, and fears, each with its days I must fulfill, living for self or in his will. When this bright world would tempt me sore, when Satan would a victory score, when self would seek to have its way, then help me, Lord, with joy to say, only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. Give me, Father, a purpose deep in joy or sorrow, thy word to keep, faithful and true, whate'er the strife, pleasing thee in my daily life. Oh, let my love with fervor burn, and from the world, now let me turn, living for thee and thee alone, bringing thee pleasure on thy throne. Only one life, yes, only one, now let me say, thy will be done, and when at last... I'll hear the call. I know I'll say, "'Twas worth it all. Only one life. Twill soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last." Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we come before you. And we give you our lives, Jesus. Every breath, Every heartbeat, every dream, every wish, every scent, every resource, every education, everything we've got, everything on our resumes, everything we have, we count as lost for the surpassing greatness of our Lord Jesus Christ. We've give, been given the prize for all the universe. It's you, Jesus. It's you. And so since we've got you, we give you everything else. We'll follow you. Maybe you're here and you've not said that yet. You've not simply answered the call to follow Jesus. In this moment of prayer, can I just lead you in that moment? If that's you watching online at Cooper City here at West Pines, if that's you, let me just lead you in this prayer. Simply, silently, right there, just say this to Jesus. Jesus, I will follow you. I, I give you my life. You saved me. Your King, your Savior, your Lord. I surrender. In Jesus' name. Lord, would you hear those prayers of new believers, new disciples? Lord, would you hear the prayers of many disciples here that want to be realigned to your purposes, your call to bear fruit? We will abide in Jesus. We ask that you would make us fruitful for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you put your faith in Jesus just then, here's what I want to invite you to do. If you're here, I want to invite you after the service to go to the front lobby. Let us know. We'll put a Bible in your hands today. Uh, maybe you can't make it by guest services. You can just fill out a Get Connected card, say you put your faith in Jesus, and then just take that and put that in one of the giving boxes on your way out. We'll mail you a Bible. If you're watching online, you can just grab your cell phone, go to cityrev.org faith, cityrev.org faith. There's a link there right on the screen. You can go there, and we will follow up with you, mail you a Bible, and celebrate this incredible adventure that you've begun. Church, we're going to close with a song today. And it's very simply a cry from our heart declaring that we will abide in our Lord Jesus. Would you stand with me as we sing that together?
Thanks for listening. For more resources and to check out other teaching series, please visit our website at cityrev.org. If you would like to speak to somebody about beginning a relationship with Jesus or ask any questions you have about this teaching, you can email us at podcast at cityrev.org.